Welcome to the West Side Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. Okay, friends, fair warning. <laughs> We're into some bumpy waters here today. My name is Troy Kennedy, and uh, this is the West Side Podcast. We're going to be doing um, some interesting exploration of some ideas here today, some things that you may not have uh, really heard put a name on before, but some things you definitely experienced as you go about your life and culture and you observe things that are happening in the media and in the world all around us. So we're tackling a topic today called critical theory. Um, if you're not familiar with the term, chances are you, you know its fruits. So according to Britannica.com, this is a Marxist-inspired movement in social and political philosophy that's been influencing uh, all kinds of areas of study for, for decades. And uh, what we're seeing and experiencing in our world today is kind of what this movement has produced. So uh, Pastor Randy Frazee joins me here today. Mm -hmm. And as we begin our series, what does Jesus have to say? Yeah. And I'm sure glad that I'm not here by myself. When yeah. They, <laughs> the here. feeling is mutual. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to remind everyone that pops in, whether you're at Westside or anywhere around uh, the world for that matter, that we're we are hopefully two people that you mm -hmm. trust not to misguide you. Yeah. We're not necessarily the brightest bulbs in the chandelier, but we're <laughs> someone you can trust. But we do really love, Troy and I can spend hours talking about this kind of stuff. Right. And we're trying to take it and make it accessible to you. Mm -hmm. And uh, things that maybe not would not work really well on a Sunday morning, right. uh, but we want to speak into these issues with a, with a biblical Jesus focused thing. So we're not, we don't have, you know, there's lots of people who write and speak about topics mm -hmm. like this, but we're really trying to bring uh, some understanding to it from a biblical Jesus point yeah, of view. Absolutely. And to also just to give you some handles on, mm -hmm. um, to know it when you see it, to get, understand mm -hmm. what the uh, implications are of it. And it might give you a little bit of an explanation as to why things happen in culture that seem really irrational at times. It may seem really incoherent, but there really is a worldview and an internal coherence in that worldview that, that explains a lot of the behavior that you're observing. So one, we want to come at this from a humble standpoint and a loving standpoint. We don't have all the answers. And this is ex some really extraordinarily complex stuff that we're going to try and put some simple handles on for you. But more than anything, we want you to know that this isn't some kind of partisan political statement at all. What we are, are committed to the kingdom of God. And we're trying to bring some, some light to situations that you as a Christ follower are definitely navigating in the world today. And so that is our heart. And if you find this to feel like it's, you know, pushing against your political buttons, that's not our intention at all. It's just to lovingly try and bring some clarity to the situation. Yeah, because I think if you're, you know, uh, you know, one of the things you're going to find is that particularly the year 2020 uh -huh. is that you feel like you're in a country and you're like, but I could never feel more distant with a group of people. <laughs> I'm watching. And again, right. whatever side you're on, you're watching this activity and go like, I do not know why these people are doing what they're doing right, all right now. So you watch that, right? With all the things we've experienced, this critical theory is at mm -hmm. the very root of it. It doesn't sound like it, it would be the answer to it, but it's going to explain why maybe people in your family, uh, extended mm -hmm. family or yeah. your neighborhood uh, or people you see on TV are, are acting the way they're acting yeah. differently than what you are. Well, they're coming from a different worldview. Right. And that's what this critical theory right. is. So, yeah, it's not just something that's off in a corner of some little esoteric part of academia. This is something that's been brewing for a really long time. So I just want to give you just a 
real quick thumb thumbnail yeah. of like the history of this, where it came from, and kind of how yeah. we're seeing it manifest a little bit here today. Yeah. So, and forgive me for being such a nerd, but um, mm -hmm. historically, okay, so you guys are probably familiar with who Karl Marx is, and he had a philosophy um, called Marxism, and Marxism basically says this, that people can be divided into a couple of groups. You have oppressors and oppressed. And for Marx, it was primarily about, about uh, economics. It was about people who had stuff and people who didn't have stuff. And it was really the driver behind the forming of the Soviet Union, the driver behind uh, Mao's China, the driver behind uh, Pol Pot and uh, Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. And um, basically any sort of overly socialized communist kind of um, you know, Cuba, North Korea, these are the kinds of places that have embraced this philosophy. Well, what happened was um, we all know that the Soviet Union kind of came apart. And by the time we got into the 1960s, um, this hard kind of Marxism and, and communism especially became pretty, pretty much almost defunct. In other words, mm -hmm. they realized it wasn't sustainable. It was pretty bankrupt in terms of a way of, of producing and sustaining a uh, population and all the things that it claimed to bring equality to it really, it really didn't do. And even in the, even in France, where a lot of the postmodern philosophers like Derrida and Foucault and Sartre, they were all recognizing this. So what happened was with that kind of falling out of favor, they kind of made a flip and they took that same oppressor oppressed narrative and now they they applied it to people groups identity groups so you have people of color versus white people you have now you have it you talk about uh, male and female you could have it have to do with um, trans people or uh, straight people all these different things and we can talk about that in a little bit but the idea was it took it from an economic platform to more of a, a almost a racially yeah. or identity group yeah. platform. Mm -hmm. So it, it becomes identity politics. You may have heard that term before. And it's really based on there is an oppressor group, which might be the white, straight, cisgendered um, Christian male, right? Who is like kind of the, the top of the oppressor group. And then the bottom would be people of color, people of color who are women, people of color who are trans women, people of color who are trans Muslim women, you know, and it, and it kind of goes on and on like that. So there's a hierarchy. And if I could just kind of like put a couple of quick handles on this and then we can get into some details. Yeah, I'm going right? to you know, pull out some examples that we talked about ahead of time right. in the video, but go ahead, keep going. Yeah, keep so going. one, what it does is it reduces all relationships to power. So you just get that in your mind. It's all about power. Who has the power and who doesn't have the power? So uh, it's the oppressor versus the oppressed. In this case, it could be white people versus people of color. Okay, so if you keep that, it's like that is that is kind of like the top of the, the way we understand it. And then secondly, it reduces all people to their skin color. So, um, or identity group. So your skin, if you're, if you're a, a white man, well, that's the, uh, primary thing to know about you and knowing that about you tells me everything i need to know about you yeah okay so it tells me the way you think it tells me the way you feel it tells me what your motives are it tells me what your character is it tells me your culpability even without having a conversation with me don't have to have a conversation with you i just have to look at you and go okay well he's a racist he's this he's that and he's that and he's culpable even for historic issues that have been perpetrated mm -hmm. on people who have oppressed my identity group. Mm -hmm. And then I, my identity group, we all have to think the same way. We all have to feel the same way. We have to ascribe to the same ideas. Um, so if you, if you, if that is the, the simplest way of putting it, it's, it reduces every relationship to power and it reduces every relationship to an identity group. That is the main thing to know about you. 
So uh, let's give an example. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to, uh, you know, to, let's ask some examples. So like uh-huh. in Marxism, which was a failed, the goal was uh, equal outcome, right? Equal With, outcome of economy. Economy. Yeah. So like yeah. everybody... Uh, no matter, uh, it was an economic economic thing. So everybody ended up with the same amount right. at the end of the day, which didn't right. work. Really and matter fact, you, yeah, 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 it didn't work. Matter of fact, you yeah. gave a couple of examples of that mm-hmm. in history of, you know, what they tried to do to make it work and manufacture it yeah. and uh, to make it work. And it just didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the Soviet Union is probably the, the best example of it. But in trying to engineer this, what they did is the people who don't have stuff, the reason they don't have the money or the house or the land or whatever it is, is because the oppressor, the class, which in this, the bourgeoisie, right? Mm -hmm. They stole it from you. And so you rally and catalyze and energize people to say, hey, yeah, that's right. It's not because of me, it's because of you. Mm -hmm. And so they got a lot of energy uh, around that. And what happened was if you continue to take that line of thought and you have to eradicate the oppressor, in the Soviet Union, it was a really murderous, bloody yeah. outcome. And so, like, for instance, in the Ukraine, uh, six million people starved because they wiped out all the the farmers, the competent, good farmers, the ones who had the land, who had the systems and everything. They, they killed off the good doctors. So when Stalin was dying, they didn't have good doctors okay. to help him out at the end of his life. Um, and it, it's, it sounds like a joke, but it's it actually happened that way. Yeah. And um, so you take that same mentality and apply it to identity, yeah. right? And these people groups that are that are at odds with one another, and you can see it, it could devolve into something very dangerous very quickly. So, uh, you know, again, we're trying to stay away from politics, but mm-hmm. let's take a 2020 example today, whether, I mean, so if, if everyone listening knows, we're just going to try to take an example of this that could get us a little bit into trouble, but we're yeah. trying to, get, trying to you know, it'll, it'll explain what you're seeing on on television, because mm-hmm. we're going to come back in a moment and talk about there's some right. good things about this that right. God is for. So right. this we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, mm-hmm. but just to get an example of something, uh, maybe on the on the television, maybe uh, police defund police right. or something like that. Can right. you go with something yeah? Like so that? if the idea here is one, you don't really have an individual voice. What you you're just a mouthpiece for your identity group. And if the greatest thing you're uh, attempting to do through critical theory is to, the most moral thing you can do is to overthrow the oppressor. In other words, they say you have to make oppression visible. You have to call it out. You have to cancel it. You have to overthrow it. And so you identify the oppressor and then the objective is, is to overthrow the oppression. So something like defund the police starts to make a lot of sense. You're like, yeah, well, they're the oppressor and so they have to be eradicated. Yeah, not unless I have a conversation. Right. It's just like eliminate. Right. And, the, and the, so now that the power has completely flip-flopped, right? right? Or they're trying to equalize it out, right? But yeah. but but they're ones in power to equalize it out, which right. becomes the... It's the, it's a new hierarchy yeah. that you, you say you're trying to avoid. So um, I, w- I would just say this. Another piece of this is, you know, we all agree to Dr. Martin Luther King's dream that one day we dream of a day when my children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm-hmm. And this is absolutely antithetical to that. Explain that, because I thought we talked about that. I think that's brilliant because we do embrace so -hmm. much of the ideology of how Martin Luther King Jr. approached this this real, real topic of Mm -hmm. of racism. 
uh, yeah. within our communities. I mean, it's real and we embrace it and right. Jesus embraces it for sure. And we've got to do something about it. Mm -hmm. But the way in which he approached it is philosophically, worldview-wise, right. a flip-flop. So right. you said it, it, it sounds pretty yeah. obvious, but make sure everyone hears. Yeah, I mean, Dr. King was a, a Christian pastor yeah. and he believed that, you know, people were made in the image of God and their value is because of what God said about them, not about what other people said about them. And so if his children are gonna be judged, it's not because they're black, because looking at the color of my skin doesn't say anything about my character, doesn't say anything about what I really think or what I believe or what I'm, uh, guilty for or what I'm, you know, what I've earned for myself, all it is is my color. Yeah. And that was what he wanted to say about people. But this actually flips that completely over mm. and it just says, no, everything I need to know about you is associated with your identity group. It tells me everything I need to know. So I don't, there's no desire for mutual understanding. There's no civil discourse, even freedom of speech is not a value. Yeah. It's all about, okay, well, I know everything I need to know about you. So I just need to shut you up. Yeah. So there's going to be, this is where I'm on. I listen to podcasts. I'm usually running. And when I've come across an example like this with Martin Luther King, right. it's a paradigm shift for me because I would think that critical theory people would go like, oh, Martin Luther King Jr. is our father right. of our movement. It is completely right. the opposite. And I'm like, okay, that's a, that is a disruptive idea. Right. I stop in my run and I rewind back to that and let me listen to that again. So we just <laughs> had one of those moments where you're going to, yeah. what Troy is talking about here, because it is re really disruptive because you think it's that, you know, one one side's all this way, one side's all this way. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a this is a very important thing if you're really trying to understand what's going on in our world today. This example right. is is really really important, isn't right. it? Absolutely. And and just to understand one thing too, you know, because some of you we've all come up through universities, and this thing has been bubbling up since the '80s yeah. in elite levels of academia, and it, and we'd like to think it was just some some esoteric thing, but it's really not. And it has been taught to university students for so long yeah. now that it's for a lot of people it's almost like this is the water we're swimming in yeah this is just how things are this is how i was taught this is my parents spent two hundred thousand dollars for me to go to this university to listen to these guys who are smarter than i am to tell me how i should think in the world and so i did yeah and this is what they taught me yeah and so but i also understand this that not everybody who um people have varying degrees of understanding and varying degrees of buy-in on these things. So mm -hmm. if you work in the HR department at your your employment, and um, you know you you're trying to include diversity, inclusion, and equity training with your employees because all that sounds really great. Mm -hmm. It sounds like yeah, this is the right thing to do. But the nomenclature doesn't always reveal the the underpinning values that are uh, really coming through in this. And you may not understand that, or may you may have some degree of understanding of it. So. We just want to say, you know what? If the shoe don't fit, don't put it on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if it does fit and you have observed this in relationships you have, then we want to help give you some tools and some handles and just a Christ-like perspective on how to navigate that situation. Yeah, that's going to be real helpful in the workplace now particularly. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think, again, another uh, idea here is that Martin Luther King Jr.'s outcome was let's, let's move away from all of these things that separate us. And right. this would be the ultimate vision of Christ. Uh, we're not going to try to, ch in, in Revelation 5, 9, we're going to try change the color of your skin. Right. Uh, you know, that's not, but the idea is that mm -hmm. uh, you, your, your, your value and your worth has nothing to do with right. that. It has to do with your association with Jesus and the content of your character right. and those kinds of things. Well, that is a really good ideal. But when, the, when, when you flip flop it and say, no, no, it is the color of your skin that matters. Right. Well, then, you know, we, you know, then, then a, a, a white, 
white supremacists could say, right. you're absolutely right. right. It is the right color of your skin. And we think ours is the right one. And right. Well, well, and then when I was happy, you try to take, say, so you maybe list, you could probably list 10, mm -hmm. you know, different groups from white and black and brown and then women right. and then, you know, your gender right. and all the gender, and, you know, and preferences, your sexuality that, yeah. kind of thing. So let's get 10. And the goal is not to judge by us by the content of our character, but, you know, that we're, we're all equal. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, and and that at the end of the day, uh, if there's any sense of oppression in that, then you got to overcome it. So what ends up happening is you silence society, right. and you probably have felt that way. You're probably like, I don't even know what I can say anymore, right. and which is what happens, right? Because you become the oppressor. Would that be fair? Absolutely. The objective is just to basically to cow people who disagree. And that's the cancel culture. That's what right. cancel culture is. Right. It's like if you're going to do that, then you're done. Right. We're not. We're gonna. We're gonna ring a bell when you talk, right? <laughs> and there's really the interesting thing about it is. And, and the sad thing about it is it's um, it's it's very puritanical. It's very it's almost like a fundamentalist kind of a religion because mm -hmm. you have to agree to every tenet of of the, the, the worldview. And if you don't. Right. You're cast out. You're ostracized. You know, you're you're kicked out of the church. So if you want to say it like that, um, because you didn't sign on to all of the dogmas that we agree to. The problem is, is it's kind of a moving target. There's a lot of the, the language gets, there's a lot of linguistic gymnastics that have mm -hmm. been happening when mm -hmm. Amy Coney Barrett was in front of uh, Congress. And she said something about people's sexual preferences and the internet went ballistic because like, apparently the 15 minutes ago, sexual preference was not an okay term to use. And in the same day, Webster's Dictionary went and changed the definition of sexual preference because you're supposed to say sexual orientation now. Oh yeah. So well, it's a, it's a really, I'll write that down. Yeah, you got it. Um, it's a moving target. And so a lot of the words that you hear and what, which we'll get to in a bit, things like inclusion, which is, it's a great word, right? Uh, diversity sounds like a great word. Um, racism, right? Which we think might, we might have one understanding of, but people who ascribe to this worldview have a different definition for that word or anti-racism for that matter. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay, I want to run through some of the tenets of this just to kind yeah. of give a few simple like bullet points for people. And then maybe we can unpack some of that as we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I want to just make one more comment, uh, you know, the, the changing of the definition. The question mm -hmm. is, who is the authority board that gets to decide <laughs> that? And this right. is a part of the point is, right? right. Who's the one who decides that, well, that that phrase is no longer uh, uh, appropriate? Right. It's it, and that's where the power thing comes in. Right. right. That yeah. who, someone's controlling this conversation and says, you're not supposed to say that anymore. Right. Someone's controlling that. Right. And it, generally it's it's there's not there's no it's no centralized yep. source here, you know, but there's sort of this like, well, if the person I don't like is saying that thing, we flip the language on it to vilify it. Yeah. Right. To turn it into something negative because we can't agree with anything that person says. So, yeah, so right. there's a lot of, a lot of gymnastics, a lot of hoop jumping in a lot of this. And, um, once again, it's, you know, we're trying to put simpler handles on it, but there's been a lot of very academic work done on this that will, in the show notes, we'll give you some resources that if you want to dive deeper, you can go and check out some of these sources that will be able to explain it better than we will here in this hour or so, uh, on this conversation. Yeah. So, so you're going to do tenets right now yeah. and then, and then we'll do a little biblical stuff too. Cause there's mm -hmm. some of this that the, the Bible has a lot to say about this Absolutely. and then we'll maybe go back and forth on that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah, ahead. For sure. Dropping these tenets. So there's just a few things here. One, mm -hmm. um, tenets of critical theory, <laughs> get your, get your pencils out. Mm -hmm. One critical theory emphasizes group identity over individualism. Individual identity is inseparable from your group identity as oppressed or oppressors. We talked about that a bit. So 
to say that your individualism is an illusion. You are a mouthpiece for your uh, group identity. And that's why there's no need for conversation or dialogue, mm -hmm. right? The objective isn't to win the argument, it's to overpower the argument. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And so you probably see that in a conservative speaker at a university and people come with bullhorns and noisemakers and everything. When he says something that is, uh, is something they, uh, that would, they would consider coming from the right. lips of an oppressor. Uh, well, they, even before he says a word. Yeah, because he's, they, it doesn't matter what he says, yeah. right? They've already prejudged the guy. He, yeah. It doesn't matter what he's going to say. It's that we need to shut him up before he he spews his poison, you know. Yeah. Um, so and it's not even just all white. Uh, it, I mean, mm -hmm. it could be a black man who's oppressing women, which, right. right? It could be something like that as well. Well, or anyone who disagrees. So, for instance... Um, if if you're if you're a white person and you say uh, you say something that they disagree with, we just say, well, you're just trying to sustain your social location by using the tools of your uh, your supremacy, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you say you're a black person and you agree to that, well, you've internalized your oppression, right? 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 Yeah, so that's good. you can't you can't really win there. Um, or if you're someone like Candace Owens, who is a black woman, who is a very articulate, powerfully spoken black woman, she's been called a white supremacist. You get someone mm -hmm. like Ben Shapiro, who is an Orthodox Jew, yarmulke wearing everyday Jew. He's been called a Nazi. Right. Right. So <laughs> you kind of go, I, I don't know how that works, but, but. But the conversation doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. It's because he is that person, right. skin color, man, right. Jew, whatever, you know, not even Jew, but right. the, the, he could be called a Nazi, even though he's a Jew. Right. And which is, but that's not, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah. And even if you have the skin color, but you disagree with us, right. you not only have you betrayed your race, right. right? You've internalized your oppression. And so you can get someone like, for instance, I hate to say it, but like a presidential candidate saying, well, if you don't vote for me, you're not black because you're mm -hmm. not thinking like a black person, because this is how black people think. Um, so that's part of it. So, and, and then uh, the second tenet here is this critical theory defines oppression as the exercise of hegemonic power. In other words, the ability of a group to impose its values, its norms and expectations on society. Um, oppressor groups subjugate oppressed groups through the exercise of hegemonic power. So hegemonic power would be something like um, in uh, say like magazines, there's an aesthetic that is perpetuated for how women are supposed to look. Mm -hmm. So without ever really saying it, they're exercising a kind of hegemonic power to say, <clears throat> we're defining how women are supposed to look just by virtue of our position. Um, or, I see, we're talking about, uh, what'd be another way of doing that? Um, or Hollywood, we talk about like say sexual mores. So TV shows and movies. And so normalizing some things that that 10 years ago would have been totally anathema. Nobody would have even thought that these things could be put up. Now they're on network TV and they're normalizing these things. And that's an exercising of hegemonic power to tell society, this is what is real. This is what people are. So like an uh, example from TV, because I think a lot of us live in that space, mm -hmm. you know, thanks to Netflix and all that. But so, so like a show, like if you remember the show, uh, the series Mad Men, yeah. you know, that sort of portrayed the men a certain way and the women a certain way, I think back in the 50s, right. you know, and that would have been considered <clears throat> oppression and all that. Now today, you know, this many years later, right. uh, in terms of uh, time frame, you can see something in terms of relationships and things that they're doing on television mm -hmm. that are like, wow, I can't even believe this. Uh, and, and the reason is they're trying to create a sense of 
um, of, of um, equality. Um, yeah, or they're just trying to introduce um, a different narrative. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're influencing it. And, and it's, it's probably not even mm -hmm. as conscious as that. But mm -hmm. the big, bigger idea is they would say that, look, the, the oppressor, which would be, be the, the white, straight, cisgendered, um, you know, male, older male, right? They have been uh, exercising hegemonic power through all of these different tools of oppression that have been so normalized over so much time that people don't even realize that's what's happened. Right, right. right? So um, they're trying to dismantle that. And, and what they're trying to say is they're trying to call it out and dismantle it and say, okay, you're just um, solidifying your social location by the use of these tools. It's very interesting. The Smithsonian Institution had uh, had put out an infographic that was part of their one of their museums. And it's, it's, it talks about whiteness. So you'll hear this word a lot of the time. Whiteness is not just the color of your skin, but sort of this, this hegemonic power, this culture that's been created by white people as, as oppressors to sustain their social location. So uh, they put out this infographic and they describe these are things that are typical of whiteness. This is what it is to exercise this power over the people by these values. Things like... Uh, individualism. They say that that's rugged individualism is something that is used to subjugate other people or to invalidate other ways of being. Um, the nuclear family as the ideal social unit mm -hmm. is one of those things. It's one of those white uh, ways of, of ruling over people. Um, emphasis on scientific method. So the scientific method is a tool of oppression, uh, objective, rational, linear thinking, quantitative emphasis, things like that. Um, something like hard work is the key to success, right? So that, that value would be considered a white um, oppressor value. Um, Christianity as a norm would be considered an oppressive value. Uh, Meaning if I'm not, uh, if I don't buy into Christian, uh, then I'm going to have, some, I'm going to have less access to, uh, I, I mean, I've got to buy into that in order yeah. to have access to power? Is that, yeah, is that right? Yeah, it's, it's something that's been used yeah. to to subjugate people. And I mean, the thing is, in mm. all of these things we're talking about, there's a seed of seed truth. truth. There is, yeah, that's right. And that's, I mean, and we need to acknowledge that some yeah. of these things, you know, people have used Christianity historically for ways that were absolutely antithetical to anything Jesus was about. The guy mm. who's trying to convert a Muslim at sword point clearly misses Jesus <laughs> yeah. who said, you know, Hey, Peter, put your sword away. Yeah. That's not what I'm about. Hey, my kingdom is not of this world. Oh, by the way, uh, the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Right. So someone didn't send that memo out during yeah. the crusade. And I think this is a big challenge that we have, Troy, right. is that, uh, we've, we, the, the church has not, has absolutely through the centuries has not been a great, uh, model of the teachings right. of the scriptures, all of the scriptures, but particularly the teachings of Jesus. And right. people have gotten a, a bit sideways with, with, right. with throwing Christianity, a movement where Jesus comes on the scene and he is for the oppressed person. Yeah. I mean, Matthew 25, and we'll talk about scriptures right. in a minute. You know, I mean, he's for it. It's like, how did we get here where the leader of our entire movement was for this yeah idea from a totally different right. ba base. Uh, and yet now it's it's been flipped. But part of that we have to own ourselves. Absolutely. And and history tells us that, you know, people can take any kind of uh, worldview 
and make it violent mm -hmm. and make it oppressive and twist it to serve themselves, which is exactly what Jesus was against when he he laid into the Pharisees and the legalists of his own time is to say, you know, you strain out a gnat, you swallow a camel, right? Mm -hmm. you, you're laying these burdens on people. Why? To sustain your position. Yeah. And Jesus was absolutely against that. And we need to own yeah. our participation in those yeah. things. But I don't need to own that guy's participation in it. That's exactly right. Uh, or that guy 100 years ago, whatever his participation was in it. Because I'm not defined by my skin color's association with that thing. Yeah, and my, my, my challenge has been over the years as a pastor is that Christians need to be more sophisticated in their thinking. Mm -hmm. It's not so simplistic like, you know, critical theory is all wrong. Right. You know, uh, there's elements to it that are very much rooted in the teachings of Jesus. And we're gonna talk about a few of those in a minute. Right. Uh, so just be much more, you know, and don't and, and don't don't become a cancel culture on your right. yourself. Before we're like, finished. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> cut to, you know, we stopped listening to the Radio yeah, and Troy yeah. because they even gave credence to some of the ideas. Right. Because yeah, and, and that hopefully that's why we kind of pause here to say that because there is there's always a seed of truth to these things, but that's what the enemy does. He takes a seed of truth and then he he covers it over with just a miasma of lies to create more division and more destruction and more hostility mm -hmm. where Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Right. So our hope here is that we can kind of take some insight into these things and like, how do we be an instrument of peace in the middle of a culture that is adopting so much of this? Yes. So, and so for instance, assigning things like um, uh, future planning as uh, tools of whiteness, delayed gratification, um, being on time, rigid time schedules, um, those kinds of kinds of things have been attributed to whiteness, um, English common law. Uh, so we can go on and on. There's a, there's a ton of these things, but all that to say that it does a real disservice to people to say that, okay, well, delayed gratification is just a white thing. So I'm going to go ahead and, and fulfill every impulse that I have. And you need to be okay with that. And you need to be able, because because to tell me I can't, is an oppressive statement. Yeah, that's right. As opposed to someone who loves you and is trying to help you, right. or get, keep you out of the ditch. That worldview makes parenting very hard. <laughs> it's right? real rough to tell a five-year-old to just go ahead and follow all right, your impulses. Right. Delay gratification is way overstated. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. I mean, obviously critical <laughs> theory would have to have some sort of response to that. It's like, <laughs> I'm you sure, know, that, yeah. You know, so um, you, let's 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 do a couple of scripture passages. Okay. I, I wrote I wrote down one, and maybe you can throw one out. Mm -hmm. You know, mine's uh, mine's Psalm uh, eighty two, and this is like what what is really uh, good about a critical theory mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the issue of oppression. The Bible, right? I mean, has a lot to say about it. Uh, you know, so I'll just want read one from yeah. the Old Testament, Psalm eighty two. God, it says, God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods, and the gods would have been mm -hmm. the oppressors. It would have been the the the, the rulers, right. the kings, the judges of that day. So think right. of the people that are that have the authority there. So God's now saying, "Okay, I'm now in the mm -hmm. in the seat, and you are being judged." Right. And it says, "How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Right. Defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy." deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Mm -hmm. The gods know nothing, they understand nothing. They walk about in darkness, all the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say, you are gods, you are all sons of the most high, but you will die like mere mortals, you will fall like every other ruler, rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations 
are your inheritance. Right. And I would think someone from the critical theory would go like, yeah, but now right. this is a, a deal where God is the ultimate mm-hmm. one in charge. Right. And he's the one who's got all of the power. He is all powerful. And he's saying he's against oppression. Right. But I don't know in the critical theory if it, I know in, like, I would assume, like, assume that the, that religion is considered an oppression. Mm-hmm. So the idea of God as the ultimate authority right. is uh, in, in giving that to a God versus themselves mm-hmm. is not something that is really that helpful. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's really important to understand that when critical theory is uh, says you have to overthrow uh, at the hegemonic power. Mm-hmm. What it's saying is it wants to replace that hegemonic power with its own. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the Bible is one hegemonic discourse from top to bottom to tell you everything about reality, everything about ethics, everything about how you are to live. And so the critical theorists would say, well, I don't want to submit to that one. I have my own. And they are not congruent. They they are in uh, conflict with one another and you can't hold one and the other in the same, in the same, in two different hands. Right. So that's a really important thing to understand, even though the, the scripture clearly talks about coming against oppression to stand up for the, the widow and for the fatherless and for the orphan and to the person who is in prison and person who is in Matthew hungry. 25, Matthew 25. Yeah. It's like, well, Jesus clearly is advocating for people to step into that, but it's not because we're trying to overturn the tables of power. It's because we're called to serve out of love for our creator. Yeah. This is a really big deal. Uh, you know, cause Jesus had harsh language for the person who did not, uh, right. lend a hand, you know, uh, to that, to that deal. He said in, in Luke 14, you know, when you're inviting someone to dinner, right. you know, don't just invite the people, you know, who are wealthy, the people who are your family and friends and relatives, right. because, you know, uh-huh. and you know, that who can return a favor to you, but, you know, invite the person who is crippled and poor among you. And he said, they won't be able to do anything for you, but I will see that. And, right. and I will reward you in the kingdom to come, you know? So, so there's just a, there, there's, it, 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 you know, the, the, and again, we're not defending, you know, our whiteness as two, right. I mean, we fit the, the, the we have all yeah. the categories. We're, of the, the, we're at the height of the oppressor. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and it creates yeah. a little bit of, dis, uh, you know, it, it discredits a little bit for some that might be listening. Going like, you, 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 we've already discredited you. They probably tuned off a long time right. ago because they simply looked at the fact that we were old white men. Right. Or you're at least old. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and said, oh, we ch- shut it off because there's no way, we don't have to listen to their thoughts. But the reality is our allegiance is to Jesus, right? right. right. And, uh, and our identity is found in Jesus. And he He's calling us to something completely different that Martin Luther King Jr. really captured. Well, absolutely. And the thing is, is so we talk about the when we started this off, we had these two uh, two fundamental ways of understanding. One is it's all about power. Right. Fundamentally is about power, oppressor and oppressed. And and those oppress oppressor and oppressed categories have to do with your identity groups. Well, as a Christ follower, Jesus shows us to love because he first loved Loved us. us, Right. He called us to serve. He says, you know, actually he said to love your enemies and love those, bless those who persecute you, bless those who are problem. If you love people who just already are like you, well, what, how, you're not doing anything better than people who aren't Christ followers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole point of that, Jesus is saying, look, it's not about power, it's about service. In Matthew 20, Jesus says, you know, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you, he's talking to his disciples after they were there. Uh, one of them, their mother came to Jesus and said, Hey, by the way, can my son sit on either mm-hmm. side of you in your kingdom? He says, it's not mine to give away. And by the way, 
It's not about us exercising our power over people. That is not the economy of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's the message of Jesus yeah. in dealing with, with this dynamic, this, this oppressor oppressed kind of a dynamic. Mm, that's um, really good. And yeah. then secondly, it says, it, we said it reduces all people to their skin color or their identity group as being the most paramount thing to know about an individual. It tells you everything you need to know just by saying, okay, well, this is, say you're a white, gay, Muslim, trans guy. Okay, so now I know how you think. I know how you vote. I know how you operate in the world. No, let me talk, though. Let me tell you what yeah. I think. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. And if you do disagree with it, then you've internalized, internalized. your oppression. Yeah, so, yeah. I need to go see a counselor right. and get back to right. my identity group. Right. Or right. just shut up. Yeah, or right. just shut up. Um, but and if you don't shut up, we will shut you up. Well, and yeah, ring our bell and yeah, or, or get you defunded or get you mm -hmm. fired. Right. Right. Or get, or you physically hurt you. Yeah. But our response is, as Christ says this, Jesus tells you that your primary identity is you are made in the image of God, that you are of infinite value and you are unconditionally loved by your creator. And mm -hmm. in Galatians chapter three, so Paul writes this, he says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ. See, the most important thing, the most paramount thing to know about you is that you are loved by your Creator mm. and that you are made in the image of God. And that informs every other layer of identity that yeah. you have. And that is available to who? everyone yeah to everyone yeah that that, that kind yeah. of yeah that yeah. no that, that kind of identity is not is not um discriminated against right. in any of those you know you mentioned mm -hmm. you know any of those categories right you know that um you know all of them have equal all of us have equal access right. to this new identity and i think that's where in ephesians it says that you know there was this tension between the jews and the and the gentiles and we think there's mm -hmm. tensions between blacks and whites today jews and gentiles oh my right. gosh i mean it's right. still going right. on to this day samaritans right? and, yes yeah. samaritans i mean it's still going to this day if you haven't studied yeah. Israel's uh, the the geographical land of Israel, uh, and um, and basically says, no, I'm going to tear the wall down. I'm going to tear the wall down between the Jew and the Gentile, you know, and I'm going to mm -hmm. build up a new humanity, uh, a whole new right. humanity. What do you think about that? Is that you know a new humanity? It's like uh, something right. brand new that's not based upon being a Jew or a Gentile or right. or, or, or Gala the Galatians passage, which you read earlier. Right. It's about slave or free, right. Jew or Gentile, male or female. It's like, the, you know, those categories. So it, it's, 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 it's a different, it's, it's right. a different, it's a totally different, it's a, it's addressing the subject of oppression, right. but it's doing it from a totally different way. And I think it has everything to do with identity. Yeah, it does. So when, these identity groups are like, they're so paramount, but as a Christ follower, we say, yeah, your identity is paramount. And your identity is, is, but is what God has said about you. It's not about what skin color you have or what your sexuality is or what your politics are or whatever it is. It's what God has said about you that defines you yeah. and is the most important thing, most primary thing to know about you. And as soon as you have that center and that rooted, it's not, not even about, like you can lose all the identity politics and still find your identity in your job. Yeah. Or you can find your identity on how good of a parent you are. It's just another kind of legalism. Yeah. It's another kind of performanceism. And God is saying, you can release all of that. Get rid of all because of Because all of the, for, and another thing, like critical theorists and this, uh, this whole project is completely graceless. 
Yeah. You screw up. You're out. You're done. You're canceled. Canceled. Right? Yeah. Right. What was it? Ken Hart uh, told a joke on Twitter 15 years ago that could be construed as like, you know, and it was a joke, right? Because comedians make jokes that push buttons. But it was a joke about about homosexuality. And 15 years later, it's like you can't host the Oscars because of this thing you said. 15 years 15 ago. years ago. 15 years ago, they didn't say anything about it. And right. they might have should have. He may not have should have made that right. joke, right? But he got canceled. And there's no forgiveness. There's no, no, you're irredeemable. Yeah. Right? And that's, and, but for the Christ followers, it's our identity is in what Jesus has said about us. And our identity is what he has done for us. Then there is grace mm. and there is forgiveness yes. and there is redemption. And no, no sin that you're committing is uh, beyond forgiveness, beyond redemption, beyond reconciliation with God. Yeah. And First John 1, 9, it, you know, it, he's going to be faithful and just to continue to forgive you of your sins, not just once and for all. But like <laughs> right. today, if you messed up, he doesn't go, you're out, you're canceled, right. you're done. He says, no, I'm going to forgive you afresh again. Right. And that's the beauty of a works-based, performance-based mm -hmm. program and a grace-based one right. where our uh, our leader, you know, as king, mm. instead of the people going out and dying for him, he died for them. Right. It's a, a totally different concept altogether. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so as Christ followers, how do we navigate this culture? Yeah. I mean, there's so much more to it that we could get into. We, you know, we don't really have time to do. But, but the point of this is, how do we honor Jesus as we interact with people who, one, think they know everything about you, yeah, uh, and two, probably don't like you. Mm -hmm. uh, or may not like you for, for those reasons. And how do you approach that in a way that is full of grace and truth, yeah. that is driven by love and doesn't adopt the tools of the enemy, doesn't adopt the tools of a new kind of oppression? Um, what do you think Jesus has to say about that? Yeah, you know, uh, I wrote down a couple of things. Wow, this is like, this is so pretty, you know, some of them are really s simple. And, and you made reference to this particular passage out of Romans, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which gives us a wonderful list. So if you're taking, if you're, if you're not driving or on a run or whatever, make a mental note. It'll be in the notes as well. But Romans 12, mm -hmm. uh, 9 uh, through 21. I mean, it's one of my favorite right. passages of scripture, which tells us how we respond to people. So we go back to Jesus, not only just to love your neighbor, but he went another step further and said, love your enemy as right. yourself. <laughs> love your enemy as yourself. And then you can read this uh, list, but I'm going to read the, the verse 21. Do not overcome evil by evil, overcome evil with good. Mm -hmm. So when someone's trying to cancel you out, right. don't try to cancel them out as a, as a response, mm -hmm. but basically go down deep and seek a way to right. love them. Instead of canceling them out, mm -hmm. identify them and, and, and refuse to play by the same playbook. Yeah. And that's what's in our sinful nature, even as followers mm -hmm. of Jesus. Like, I cannot believe you're right. doing this. Well, now hopefully you have a better understanding as why they feel so strongly about it. Mm -hmm. They're trying to overcome oppression, which we're for too. Right. But the ways in which they're going about it lead to very, right. very dark places. And so the way we, I think the yeah. one the way we respond to the people that you come encounter mm -hmm. is, is, is to love your enemy and don't overcome evil by right. evil. That would be one yeah. thing. And, and, and I mean, just understand that the tools of the kingdom mm -hmm. are different than the tools of the enemy. So where, where the culture wants to create more division, create more hostility, create more conflict, create more, uh, reduce you to the simplest possible terms, 
to make a caricature out of you. So don't, I don't have to think about you as a person. Right. Right. So that, that's what we do. It dehumanizes you to say, well, you're just that. Right. When everyone is a complex miasma of all these different details and all these different contradictions and and the beauty of it is to be human made in the image of God, redeemable and loved by God. So the tools that we come at these conflicts with are love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, kindness goodness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness self-control and humility. Mm -hmm. That's our posture as a Christ follower. It's not to come at hostility with more hostility. Yeah. Right. It's not to come at lies with more or name calling with more name calling. No. Right. It's not helpful. No. But and ultimately, love will win the day. I yeah. believe it may not be tomorrow. It may it may be a long time from now. But ultimately, right. love will win the day uh, because um, because a person who's been canceled right. will be loved by a believer in Jesus who may be right. very similar to them in the color of their skin or their gender or their sexuality, or might be mm -hmm. uh, very, very different. It's the, it's the Good Samaritan story where the, the surprising person that mm -hmm. loved the guy that was beaten and left for dead and robbed right. was a Samaritan. And I think Jesus was saying right. something very important right. that it's not about the color of your skin or right. that it's about something else. Who is my neighbor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who is my neighbor? It's that person that bugs you the most. Yeah, it's yeah. that person with whom you disagree with the most. That's what the Samaritan was, yeah. right? For the Jew, it's like, oh, could you have picked anybody else yeah. to be the Samaritan? And a person who doesn't recognize that really doesn't grasp the gravity of our sin mm -hmm. against God. And they say, well, you know, that's what Jesus Jesus did for you. Right. Would you not do it for this guy? Hey, let me ask you, uh, uh -huh. let me, uh, let me, uh, let, let's, uh, a couple of things. Like, so, um, one of the things that, you know, as, as I was listening to one of the podcasts you mm -hmm. mentioned to me, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, with uh, Jordan Peterson, which right. was real. I think we'll probably connect them to that one yeah, we can. with the caveat that he's not necessarily a follower of Jesus. Right. And he has a couple of words that he likes to use, but we're not going to cancel him out for those <laughs> right. uh, words. And uh, so be be beware of right. that. But um, he, you know, he he was talking about education. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't want to walk too immediately away from our response, but right. we have to we have to educate our kids. Can mm. you speak a little bit about, um, you know, kids today that are going to school and what they're facing and right. what what do we do in light Boy, of this? You know, I've got two high school boys and I'll tell you what, the stuff that my kids are having to navigate in a public high school mm. in Kansas. Yeah. Now, wherever you are in the world and you're listening to this, Kansas is, you know, relatively tame place next to like, say, New York or L.A. We or have Seattle. Dorothy and Toto. We literally have the Wizard of Oz. And uh, the things that my boys are having to face with the chaos about sexual identity, yeah. the chaos that has to do with um, drug usage and the normalization of teenage sex and the conversations are coming up. You and I, when we were in high school, were completely unequipped. Yeah. To, to navigate that in any way. And as a parent, as, as an old guy, I barely feel like I know how to help guide my sons through this ever moving landscape of confusion. And a lot of it is, you know, it's the culture that has adopted a lot of different mores and it's, it's the, uh, it's the, the cloudedness 
of categories and ethics and morals and individuality and group identity that is feeding into this, like, I don't know which way the wind is blowing today. Yeah. I don't know what this word means today. It meant something else yesterday. And so your kids are having to go, I don't know, I just kind of give up, right? Yeah, they do. Go home and play video games. Uh Um, So uh, something that Jordan Peterson was saying in this podcast is he, he, and I don't know how I feel about this, but he was just saying, I would not send my kid to a public place of education, yeah. whether that's in elementary or high school or university. Yeah, see, that's radical because when I was raising my kids, I wanted them in high school to be in a public school because right. I wanted to test their faith under our watch. And it worked right. out pretty well for us, you know, back mm-hmm. in that day. Right. Uh, and uh, But today it's a bit different. I don't know if I had to do it all over again. I'm not promoting Christian school or homeschooling or anything like that, but it's something for us to begin thinking about. And I'll tell you another thing that it leads me to is that a kind of a a challenge for us, because you and I are pastors, Mm -hmm. uh, but not everybody's a pastor in a church equipping people. What's we're trying to do? We're trying to equip you for your life and ministry. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think at some point we fell asleep at the wheel because we thought everything was okay in America. And there's these, call call them the six or seven pillars. So there's there's religion or church, but then there's media, Mm -hmm. there's the law, there's business, there's the arts, there's right. entertainment and uh, education. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and there was a time when we, we Christians were coming up with a worldview and they were leading in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think we fell asleep at the wheel a little bit right. and uh, churches weren't doing as robust of a job of giving people a biblical understanding of a biblical worldview mm-hmm. and then really encouraging them into those spaces where they could lead. And we've essentially turned our educational system mm-hmm. over. Over, and I know there's lots of Westsiders that are like fighting this, right. you know, like with all their power. And some of them are in places of power. But the overall system is not in right. favor of uh, stopping this movement right now. It feels like an unstoppable right. movement. Would you agree? Yeah. And, it, and it's coming largely through sort of like those mid-level bureaucratic administrative levels of organizations, even in government. Um, there was a gentleman named Christopher Rufo who did a sort of a, he did a research assignment, actually said it to the presidential administration to say that this critical theory was being taught in the HR departments of federal government institutions, like uh, where they're developing nuclear power and weapons, you know, in the United mm-hmm. States and in the, the, the NSA and all these different organizations within the government were being, this had got in into by unelected administrators and bureaucrats, and they were teaching this in those levels. And it's the same thing in our educational system. These are people who came through uh, while we were asleep at the wheel thinking this was some esoteric philosophy. And now it's been indoctrinated and being taught from the time kids are in kindergarten uh, all the way up through college. And, that, and I would just say, as a parent, I just need, that's why we're doing this. I want you to be aware of exactly what are we talking about? What does this language mean? And how do I, how do I identify it? How do I help my child understand that, you know what, as a Christ follower, we operate in a different way. Yeah. And, you know, I honestly, I would be very cautious of where I send my, my kid to university. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very cautious. Yeah, about that. the uh, it, it's it's it snags the best of them. I tell you, it really ha- it has, and it's going to make parenting that much more difficult. I mean, you're exhausted, you know, with uh, all the things related to COVID. But it's just you, you've got an, a, an, a difficult assignment ahead of you, and we're going to do the best we can right. to help you navigate it. And we have I have people in my network very close to me where the parents are 
don't embrace this, and yet their kids in their 20s have fully embraced it who, who follow Jesus. And uh, it's kind of like a voodoo Christianity kind of thing. It, 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 they embrace <laughs> Jesus, yeah. but they also embrace the, the, the teachings of the right. witch doctor, if you will, and right. they embrace it, put it together to this for this new thing that doesn't look any, and parents are like beside themselves right. on knowing what to and how to think about it. Yeah, and our, our objective here is to speak full of grace and truth, you know, because a lot of, a lot of these folks, they, they really feel like they're doing the right thing because it sounds mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. you know, it sounds right on the surface, but it it sounds right to say we want everyone to wind up equal. But here's the problem, it's the devil's in the details. Who decides that? Who decides what equal is? Who decides what the margin of error is? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do with people who, who aren't equal? And the, and the problem is, is people are not bricks. God made us all to be individuals. We're not a bunch of uniform blank slates when we're born. We're gifted with intelligence and we're gifted with looking a certain way, having certain innate abilities. And we, and ultimately we have character that is unique to us. And it's not because of any other parts of our identity groups. And to say that everyone should have exactly the same outcome and we have to engineer it that way, is problematic on so many levels. It, it, it kills competence, it kills motivation. It, it does a disservice to, to one group of people in, in the, at the motivation of compassion. And then ultimately hurts the people that you think you're helping with your compassion because it, it tells them things about themselves that are not true. Yeah. And so I, not to get too deep into that, but it, but it is really a genuine um, problem when you know, equality of opportunity is something we need to fight for. Yeah. But when you see people start talking about equality of outcome, you need to be very aware of what uh, what is actually occurring there. Let's make a couple of concluding comments. You know, mm -hmm. we could go on a long time. Uh, and, and so I'll, I'll say a few things and then let you have the final word. Okay. Um, I think that, um, you know, first of all, that um, this movement is rooted in uh, a failed movement uh, of, mm -hmm. of Marxism right. that was all about economics, and this one's about power, but it was a failed movement, that uh, at, at the very root of it, it oftentimes does not have God, uh, a, a loving, all-powerful, truthful God, mm -hmm. you know, at the very center of it. We become gods in, in a way, and it's very, very legalistic and canceling, you know, versus a grace-based deal, which Christianity is, is not, uh, is, is all, about, all about grace. And um, I think, uh, also, we are uh, called to, in Colossians uh, and uh, Ephesians 4 to be mm -hmm. super mindful of all of the schemes that come around and uh, that toss us back and forth. And we need to really anchor ourselves in mm -hmm. the truth of Scripture. Uh, number three, we, uh, five, six, seven, I don't know which number mine. We, don't, we, we need to love people uh, mm -hmm. the way Christ loved people and even people who don't think the way we do. And we don't need, as followers of Jesus, regardless of what we look like, to be assuming something about another person based upon the color mm -hmm. of their skin or of their gender or of right. their economic status. Uh, Jesus really called us to that, and we need to uh, rise up and act differently. I think another one, we need, to think we need to think about the future of our children and the spaces where we're putting them in. You know, we get an hour a week if we're lucky, and the schools are getting, you know, mm -hmm. seven hours a day, five days a week, nine months out of the year, right. and uh, we just can't compete with that. So we're going to have to do a better job of, of asking ourselves, how do we really instruct our, our children? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, 
with all of this controversy, we know that the that love is ultimately going to win. So even right. though we're uptight right now, we need to relax a little bit because we know how the story ends. Right. And even though there's a lot of controversy right now, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of anger. At the end of the day, we know that Jesus wins and uh, this thing's all going to come together again. So be hopeful. Yeah. And we can even see these through the lens of one, there is real oppression. There is real racism. Mm. There is real justice that needs to be had for the poor. And in come upcoming weeks, we're going to be talking about yeah, that, about racial reconciliation and, mm. and justice for the poor. Because as a Christ follower, Jesus clearly calls us to those spaces. But we do it because we see the image of Jesus in every individual. We not because I have some sort of cult socio economic guilt attached to my skin color, but because I'm following Jesus into the places where he would go yeah. and following him and entering into those, uh, those needs, into those hurts to be an advocate for justice and be an advocate for peace because, our, but the tools that we have are different kinds of tools. Yeah. You know, yeah. I believe in what Dr. King said that I dream of a day when my children, my, my boys will be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And in the meantime, as Christ followers, from Ephesians chapter 6, the scripture says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Right? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, you and I put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may able to be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand, because if you're mm. laying down, it's a problem. Mm. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Mm. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What he says about you, what he says about that person that you don't like, mm is what mm. defines them mm. and not even what you think about them. Mm. And our job is to turn into the wind and turn into the tension mm. and to love them because Christ first loved us. Mm. That's a great final word, my friend. <laughs> Thanks everyone for watching. And we just want to let you know, we got some more hard stuff that we're going to talk about mm. in upcoming weeks. Yes. <laughs> um, but this we, lays the foundation. This lays the foundation for a lot of it. Yeah. And um, next week, we're going to try and get our around, arms around yet another topic of what Jesus has to say about the sanctity of life. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we'll see you then. In the meantime, we would love to get your questions on future topics. If you would submit those on our uh, on our uh, uh, show page, we would love to hear from you. We really would love to get your input, get your feedback so that this will inform future podcasts. In the meantime, follow Jesus into every space in your life. Honor him and love him. And we'll see you next time. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.